podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mitz. Today we are previewing actually both Kansas versus TCU games because for whatever reason, when they had to postpone the first one early in the season, they decided to cram them back to back, which I absolutely hate and yet... Uh, well, no, no, actually, I just, I just absolutely hate it. So, but to come on the podcast to help be preview this TCU team, talking about the TCU team for the first time the entire season, which is really weird for me here on the podcast. Melissa Trebowasser, formerly of Frogs of War, but now I actually don't remember the name of the new site she's at. So Melissa, how are you doing today? You know, I am doing well. It's just very weird for it to be, I guess, March 1st by the time this posts and not to have talked TCU Kansas basketball yet. I know it's so weird. Like it's yeah, really, especially really when the first game was supposed to be the first game of Big Twelve play for for at least for TCU. So yeah, we've yeah, it was been a, been a ride. Yeah, it it was for the Jayhawks as well. And honestly, like it was one of those. Hey, this is the perfect time for you know Kansas to play an opponent that yes could potentially be a problem, but probably the way that the teams were training at the time, like it was Kansas's get back on track type of game. And then it didn't happen. And then you worried about going to Stillwater as the opening game of, you know, big 12 play. And so it was like really, really stressful time. I'm sure it wasn't very, um, you know, fun for the people that were dealing with COVID issues in the program, but um, I, I definitely much would have preferred to be having this one at the beginning of the season. And then another one at the end of the season, um, you know, so that there was actually some time to talk about some differences between the teams. Cause there's one thing that like the one thing that scares me the most, we, we saw it with Kansas women playing Oklahoma state women back to back, but that second game is, is kind of, you don't really know what to do with it. Right. Especially if you're, yeah. if you have a really good game in the first game, well then, then they know exactly what to do to like, you know, try something different to stop you. So like, that's what I'd be worried about, or that's what I am worried about as, as a Kansas fan going into this game um, or this series of games with TCU I don't know. It almost feels like an, you know, an NBA playoff type of scenario where you got back to back at two different locations, but all right, Melissa, first of all, what, what's, what's the new site that you're heading over to? Um, so assuming that this is going out on March 1st, it will of be my first is. day at frogs today, um, which is a new That's venture nice. being launched um, in partnership with, with a couple of different people. Um, Brian, well, uh, Brian Estridge, who is the voice of TCU play by play for basketball and football is on board. And uh, Jeff Wilson, who, if you're a fan of the Texas Rangers, you remember him from long ago. And then most exciting of all um, is the fact that Jamie Plunkett, um, who served, uh, I served as co-managing editor with for eight years and who was at Frogs of War for 10 years is also on board. So we will be uh, continuing our coverage of TCU together, which is really exciting and getting to do it um, in a new venture with some new challenges and some new exciting opportunities. So uh, it's, it's a weird, weird time in my life um, in some regards, but also a really exciting one. I know exactly the feeling, you know, having just jumped over to the new Blue Wings Rising site over on the SI Foundation Network. So yeah, it's really weird leaving something that, you know, I was over at Rock Chalk Talk for, eight years. Um, actually, it sounds like you were at Frogs of War for about the same yeah. amount of time. So uh, a little weird, you know, that we're both moving on to other things at basically around the same time. But um, all right, we have a game to talk about. Obviously, Kansas TC. Actually, I'm sorry. I keep saying that we have two games to talk about because I'm not going to have you back on. I'm sorry. In, in a couple days to talk about the aftermath of the first one, you know, and then and then the new one, because I'm going to be honest. I don't know that much would change no matter what happens in this first game. I don't know that the game plan seems too much. I don't know that really that much in terms of scouting report changes. Um, so rather than having the exact same podcast post twice, which 
I, I've thought about before, but no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Um, looking at this TCU team though, like this has been an up and down season for them, which I don't know if that like is a normal thing. It seems like it's a normal thing. Every time I pay attention to TCU that, you know, it's really good at the beginning of the year. There's a lot of optimism stuff happens in the middle of the year. And then it kind of turns around at the end where you get that optimism again. Um, this has been an up and down year for TCU though. I mean, that, that is a fair assessment, right? Um, I mean, I don't know if I'd say it's been up and down. I think it was really, really up. And then there was a very significant event that happened, which was uh, Mike Miles got fouled by Matthew Mayer. And don't worry, Evan and Matt, where you got, wherever you guys are <laughs> listening, um, I'm not blaming Matthew Mayer for the foul. I'm just, it's a point of emphasis and that it's just a factual thing that happened. It was Matthew Mayer that fouled him. No, nothing untoward there, um, but I know I'll hear about it. Um and from that point on, um, you know, Mike Miles exits the game a minute and a half in the second quarter at, in a game that TC was leading. Um, he, had, he had like 26 points at that point or 22 points at that point in the first half. Um, and from there, TC kind of went into their little bit of a swoon. Um, you know, I think that when you look at who they played, uh, you can point to um, a loss um, at Oklahoma State, a loss uh, to Iowa State at home and a loss to Kansas State at home as the three games where Mike Miles not being 100 percent or missing an action were super costly. Um, but then he wasn't 100 percent in some other games, too, that they managed to win. So, um, you know, for me, it's been kind of this like just floating in mediocrity for the last couple of weeks as, as Miles kind of got back to, to his normal form um and then showing that this team can still be special like we believe they were heading into big 12 play before he got hurt um, by beating texas tech saturday at home so um up and down maybe not it's just been these like moments of oh my god we're not going to make the tournament to oh my god we could win a game in the tournament but it hasn't felt like it's been a roller coaster it's felt like it's just been really really high or really really low well which i mean by definition it's kind of it's like a yeah exactly down, but no yeah. it's all right I, like it, it, it there's definitely a very good reason for it though it's not like yeah. an inexplicable the bottom dropped out and you're wondering what's going on like mike miles the guy for tcu like i think it's fair to say he is the guy that makes this team run um you know him being out is a fairly significant you know development there um you know what though i will i, I will say you you did bring up Matt Wilson and, you know, I, I don't know if you actually heard him being on the podcast on Friday where he talked about, you know, his fundamental philosophy of basketball that every team has to have one player who's a complete a-hole. Um, you know what? Like, I, 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 is it fair to say that Matthew Meyer is that guy for Baylor? And honestly, more importantly, who is that guy for TCU? Oh, Matthew Mayer is a hundred percent that guy for Baylor. And again, nothing personal, Evan and Matt. Uh, hey, hey. Love between two bears. Matt brought it up, so it is fair game to talk about yeah. who that is on Baylor. No, and and I, and I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I I coach basketball. I had a kid that I sent in just when I wanted her to piss off the other the other team, and I told her that was her job. You know, like don't commit any any illegal fouls, but your job is to go in, and if you don't have four fouls at the end of the game, we probably did something wrong. So she was really really good at that. It was perfect. Um, I think for TCU, it, it's a little bit different. Um, I think it's Eddie Lampkin, and I, I think what's so interesting about that is is that he is far and away the fan favorite of that team he is the one that is beloved by tcu fans by the tcu frog army um and probably the guy that you hate the most is the opposing team not because he's going to commit the hard fouls he's gonna do that because he is just a big dude but he is the guy that is looking to show you up at every single opportunity he is the most demonstrative guy on the team he is an energy guy he is the one that's diving on loose balls that's you know that's just making everything miserable for the opponents and so um, 
beloved in a way that I don't think that this character usually is like legitimately loved by TCU fans, but also the guy that when you're lining up to play him, you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to line up against that guy. I don't want to box him out again. I don't want to dive on the floor for a loose ball. Cause he is going to put his entire body weight on me at any opportunity given. Well, thank you know, God he lost 70 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's actually a really good point, but no, I, I actually do agree that every team has one. Like, I don't know if you necessarily need one, but it seems like every team does like Christian Brown is that guy for Kansas, which is actually where the conversation came up um, in that particular episode. But um, yeah, so, so that's the guy that I'll have to, to be on the lookout for. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't, doesn't cause any issue. I would love though, to see, I'm not, I'm not actually thinking we're ever going to see Christian Brown on Eddie Lampkin, but I would be very interested to see how that would actually end up. Um, yeah. I mean, Brown is, uh, plays way too much out on the perimeter. I, it doesn't look from what I can tell, like Lampkin plays out on the perimeter at all. So not much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. What, what about other, other players on this team? Like who, who are the main guys that TCU goes to and what kind of, I guess, like what's the, the style of play that they like to play? You know, I, I think obviously Mike, Mike Miles is the guy. He's the guy who kind of the straw that stirs the drink. Um, and, and I think I, I was talking to, to Colin Post, who, you know, is the TC's 360 beat reporter. One of the Nobody loves TC basketball right now more than Colin Post. Nobody believes in them more than that kid. I, um, I, I can definitely see that. Yeah. The most optimistic TC basketball fan since Andrew Phelps. Uh, but, you know, I think we were we were talking about how, you know, Mike Miles isn't necessarily – the best player in the big 12 he's in the conversation without a doubt but i don't think that there's another player in that conference who means more to his particular team than mike miles does um, because when you look at the way that this team plays without him or without him 100 percent, it's a completely different ball club um but that being said we've seen some guys really step up over the last couple of games um you know damian baugh who's transferred from memphis who came in and has really expanded his offensive repertoire since coming over uh turns it over a little bit too much but has done a good job of managing the offense and was the hero and the victory at K-State towards the beginning of the season that kind of uh, what, what ended up being one of the most important games for TCU. Uh, Emmanuel Miller transferred from Texas A&M is kind of a do-it-all Swiss Army knife, you know, six foot eight, six foot nine guy um, who, if he ever develops a jump shot, is going to be lethal um, in this conference because he's super athletic. He rebounds at a high rate. He's always around the rim with offensive boards, putbacks, things like that. Um, and in the minute that you can start knocking down that 15 footer, I, I think he has a chance to be a really special player. And then a guy who's come on late, um, who we weren't, you know, who, who we had heard so much about, especially in DFW, who we had such high expectations for, um, but really kind of was a non-factor early in the season is Micah Peavy. Um, you know, he's a Texas Tech transfer. He grew up in the DFW area as a kid that played with Mike Miles and AAU. Um, but just just offensively raw as hell, um, defensively, one of those kind of pain in the ass players. Um, and he, over the last couple of games, you know, he's, he's had some really big moments. He's not lighting up the scoreboard, but, you know, he's putting up eight, nine points a game. Um, had a huge rebound in the, the Texas Tech victory. Missed three really critical free throws, but we're going to forget about that because we went ahead and won anyways. Um, but he's a guy that I think, um, as he continues to develop too and, and works on, on making himself a more all-around offensive player, has a chance to be impactful in the postseason this year and certainly next year, uh, depending on what my, Mike Miles decides to do as far as the NBA draft. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different guys and Micah Peavy was a guy that I was expecting coming into the year, but you're right. It was a little surprising to see him not for the majority of the season, not reform the way that we really expected. Um, you know, I think for me, at least very similar to a guy like Jalen Wilson, where there was a lot of expectations coming into the year. 
um, didn't really live up to them, started to come on recently. But, uh, you know, there's still kind of that question of are they going to be able to be there in the big games that matter when you get to the tournament? Speaking well, of the tournament. I was going to say, too, that's what's so interesting about, you know, what TCU has done is they lost, I think, 11 scholarship players from last season, nine or 11. And so all these guys are coming in and they had an offseason together and they worked together. But it takes so much time to build that on and off the court chemistry. And for a player like Micah, who doesn't necessarily have a defined role, um, I think figuring out where he fits and what he's how he can best help the team, because to me, he seems like a kid who's very, very humble, probably too humble, um, who is too deferential to his teammates. He might be one of the most two or three most athletic players in the conference um, just from what he's physically able to do. Um, but just him being more assertive and, and knowing that he needs to score for his team to be successful took him a really, really long time. And like, that's a credit A to his character, but also, you know, it just kind of says that the, the state that he came to TCU from, um, his confidence was not really high. It was pretty shattered. And we see that a lot with these highly rated recruits who go to, you know, top 10, top 15 programs and can't carve out a role right away. Um, they've never had to sit before. They've been the best player on their team since they were probably, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old. And all of a sudden you don't know how to assimilate. And so he's not only had to do that as a freshman at Texas Tech under Chris Beard, he had to come back and then do it again at TCU under Jamie Dixon. The, both of those guys have similar expectations as far as what you provide defensively, but run very different offensive systems. And so um, credit to him for keeping his nose down and, and keeping working and fighting through it. Um, and I, I really hope, I just like the kid. Like, I just hope that he has a chance to have some more of those big moments down the stretch yeah for sure so so speaking of big moments down the stretch here you know tcu is fighting for a tournament spot um the big win against texas tech like you like you talked about um you know there's a lot of people saying that that kind of locked tcu in for the ncaa tournament i I had some different thoughts i'm you know i'm not quite there yet to say that they're a lock yet but but i i I did want to get your thoughts on that like do you think that this tcu team is a lock at this point to make the tournament? And if not, what else do they need to do to be confident that they're going to make it come Selection Sunday? I mean, here's the deal. Um, I don't believe anything any committee is ever going to tell you until it actually happens. Um, And that's just me still being deeply scarred from 2014 and TCU football. So from here on out, I will never, ever, ever trust any room full of mostly men to make a decision that's going to impact me directly. Um, Just, you know, just, just to get that out there. Um, But, you know, I think TCU is as close to a lock as you could be on March 1st, right? With the gauntlet that they have remaining. I think when we looked back two games ago, um, nobody had a tougher remaining schedule in the country than the Horned Frogs. And their last three games now are Kansas at home, at Kansas and at West Virginia. If the Frogs win any of those, even the at West Virginia game, I think 100%, no matter what happens in the Big 12 tournament, they are in, period. Um, If they lose out, here, which is also a distinct possibility. Um, I think they have to go win a game in the Big 12 tournament just to remind people that this is a good team. Um, I don't think anybody expects them to, to take one of the two from Kansas. Obviously, winning a game in Fort Worth against the number six team in the country would be massive for their resume. Um, but I think that, that that victory over Texas Tech is, is going to do enough to, to keep people 
um, reminding reminding folks that TCU is a team that can not only you know play in the Big Twelve and compete in the Big Twelve, the best conference in the country, but also go out in the, the NCAA tournament and not embarrass themselves. Um, you're still hearing a lot about Iowa State now. Obviously, their resume is a little bit more impressive because of what they did in the preseason. Uh, but if TCU finishes above the Cyclones um, in the regular season, I think that they would 100% be be in as well. Um, they're at seven wins in Big Twelve play, and I, I just I, I think. I think they've done enough. I feel as confident as I can feel at this point in time. But like I said, until I see their name come up, um, I don't believe anything good is going to happen for TCU basketball. Yeah, I mean, and that's really, you know, it's almost like we were, you know, sharing a brain yesterday while I was talking on the 1012 podcast because I literally said the exact same thing. Like, the thing that worries me is is a loss against West Virginia, right? If you lose that game, even though it is in Morgantown, it would theoretically at that point be a quad one win. Like, that is a game that people could realistically say, hey, you know, makes you doubt whether TCU should be a a, a tournament team. I honestly think that they've done enough. I I think that they should be in. Whether they're going to be in, I think, is always the question. Because like you said, we all have our thoughts about who should be in. Unfortunately, the committee doesn't always use common sense when it comes to that sort of decision there. So, um, but, but like to your point, like, you know, this is, this is definitely a team that has done pretty much everything you can ask for, um, you know, from a team that is going to get an at large berth. Um, and so, you know, a win against Kansas and either of these two games, I think locks it up at that point. They have plenty of, of top tier wins. Um, you know, I think even a win in the, in the big 12 tournament, theoretically could go ahead and do it as well. Because if you think about it, it's going to be against a Texas or a Texas tech or yeah. a Baylor, like, you know, you're going to have a quality opponent that if you get that win, that should be enough to push you up as well. So I don't think TCU has too much to worry about unless they get destroyed by West Virginia, which I don't see happening, you know, as, as tough as West Virginia has been to play against. And they almost pulled off the upset against Texas. I honestly think that says more about Texas than it does about West Virginia's chances to finish strong because unfortunately they've had issues all year long. So, all right. I do want to talk specifically about this game, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock talk podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. And we're back here with Melissa Trebowasser of Frogs today. Um, look, Melissa, this team, this TCU team, um, we've, we've already talked about the individual players. It is very, very tough to have back-to-back games against, as you said, the number six team in the country at this point, um, in Kansas, Kansas is, is right now the clear leader. Yes. Baylor beat them on Saturday, but Kansas still just needs to win one of these two games to feel extremely confident about their, you know, their chances of, of, uh, well, of, of winning the big 12, whether it's outright or sharing the title there. Um, like it doesn't seem like Kansas has a lot of pressure in this game. I don't know that TCU does either, but, but what do you think is going to be the biggest factor in this game? Is it individual matchup? Is it like style of play? Like what is it that's going to really affect who actually wins in both of these games? 
I mean, to me, it comes down to to one thing and, and simply one thing, and that's who's gonna who's gonna control the glass. And um, when TCU has been successful against good teams, and and we saw this Saturday against Texas Tech, it's when that they have been um, held their own on the defensive glass and been um, absolutely dominant on the offensive glass. Um, when they are attacking, when the Eddie Lankin and Michael Peavy and Emmanuel Miller are getting after those rebounds, um, that that to me is a difference maker. I mean, you can look at the three point shooting. Obviously, uh, TCU has struggled in that regard when they hit shots it helps um but it, it really all comes down to do how many turnovers do the frogs have in the first half and how many offensive rebounds can they can they out muscle kansas for um you know kansas is is obviously you know has some really special guards this year like they always do but i i think that that they can match tcu better than most when it comes to what their bigs can do um just from the athleticism and the ability to, to get on the 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 rebounding advantage but um, I, I want to see TC take care of the ball um, just for one game this season. I'd love to see TC take care of the ball in any scenario. Um, and then really just, just get off the, the, the offensive end because um, not a great shooting team, not a great scoring team when they've been able to run away from folks. It's been because they've gotten those, those cheap putbacks and those easy two points on that end of the floor. It's, it's kind of funny because it seems like every time Kansas has played a team that supposedly turns the ball over a whole bunch, that team doesn't turn the ball over a whole bunch unless Kansas is doing the exact same thing. So I'll be very interested to kind of see how this works because it's one of those things. Kansas isn't a bad team when it comes to them turning the ball over, but it seems like for them to get the kind of turnovers that they would need to get to take advantage of the fact that, you know, TCU is, oh gosh, 334 out of, I think 350 something teams. Mm -hmm. Um, They have to speed themselves up so much that Kansas then for whatever reason, like is trying to go too fast and has issues. So, I'm worried about, you know, Kansas trying to exploit that and trying to go too fast for whatever reason being too hyped up. But I, I, I do agree. Like, I think at this point, it's it, it all comes down to offensive rebounding. That's the one thing that TCU does really, really well. Um, and, you know, as we as we have found time and time again, if you're looking for an upset, you have to do one thing at an elite level and then just hope that everything else kind of, you know, is middle of the pack. Um, and so, like, TCU has the ability to do that. Um, you know, Kansas had some, some issues where they just completely take off on the inside. And, and, and if Kansas gets to a point where they're just missing shots like crazy, like they've been, you know, prone to do this year, um, you know, if they go through a six or seven minute stretch where they only make one bucket, um, TCU is going to have a really good shot in this game. Uh, well, in, in honestly, either of the games, because Kansas has not been immune to that at home either. So I am curious to see how David McCormick does down low. Um, he, theoretically should have the advantage here. He's probably the, the much more physical guy down low. And I think it do, definitely does help that you have a guy in Eddie Lampkin who is, you know, a big guy that should be able to challenge him because McCormick seems to play at his best when there's a big guy down low that will actually challenge him as opposed to, you know, him supposedly being able to bully over a, a bunch of guys. He just doesn't, for, for whatever reason, doesn't handle that well this year. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited about that matchup, but I am a little worried, right, that Kansas is going to go cold from from for a large stretch of this game and then it's going to be one of those things where we're wondering how the heck did Kansas not put this game away in the first half like they should have and then TCU's coming back and it's a nail biter down down the stretch. Well, our MO has been to start pretty solidly or at least play even with with good teams in the first 10 minutes to go on an insane 10-minute swoon where we forget how to hold on to the basketball and can't make a shot to set our lives and then it just depends what happens in the first 3 minutes of the second half. And so Saturday scenario played out but the difference between Saturday and what we saw at Texas 
at Texas Tech against some of these, you know, at can or against Kansas State at home was that the first three minutes TCU came out looked like a team that believed they could win. And we haven't really seen that. So, and even though, I mean, TCU wasn't making a ton of shots, they missed a bunch of free throws. They turned it over a ton early on. Um, they made winning plays down the stretch. And again, that was just Mike Miles being healthy and playing a Mike Miles basketball game. And when he's on and he's hitting for 20 plus points and he's dropping dimes and he has five steals like he did Saturday, then TCU can play with any single team in the country legitimately. The problem is we haven't seen that game very often since he got injured. Um, and then the other issue has been, it's just like, who's going to be that second scorer? Uh, Chuck O'Bannon had been doing a really nice job as our best three-point threat, but he's gone cold for the last several, I mean, like last two weeks kind of. So maybe yeah. he breaks out of his little mini slump and has a good effort against Kansas. Um, but Kansas is too good of a team. I mean, Tech, Tech is a great defensive team. They're not going to overwhelm you offensively very often. And so I think that's the difference is that if Kansas gets rolling, they can overwhelm TCU offensively. Um, they just they just have that talent, even if they haven't always put it together this season. You feel a lot more confident in them being able to throw up an 80-point game than you do the Red Raiders on any kind of regular basis without needing a rash of turnovers to make that happen. And I'm sorry, I did not mean to put Red Raiders and rash in the same sentence. Totally accidental. Um, <laughs> everybody off now. It's for you, Albie. Love you, buddy. Oh, um, my gosh. So- <laughs> We're just like roasting everybody in the in the rest of the network tonight, aren't we? But just but just for love, just with love, yeah, yeah. More, so. You know what? So I, I, well, I'll just say, think, you know what? Speaking of love, the thing I absolutely love the line that is coming out from sponsor here on the podcast, Home Field Apparel, for the Kansas Jayhawks this this week. Look, Home Field Apparel. You guys all know they are the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Um, you know, they have T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies. All kinds of stuff there. They have over 100 different schools, but honestly, the one that's the most important, especially for us Jayhawk fans, is the one that's coming out this Saturday on the 5th of March. Uh, Kansas Jayhawks are getting home field. It's about freaking time. I've only been, you know, emailing them and emailing KU Athletics Department every single day for uh, maybe a year or so. You know what? It's just one of those things. It had to be done. Someone had to do it. So, but I've seen the line. It's absolutely fantastic. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Definitely be paying attention to social media. Get all those teasers. If you're not already signed up for Big New Saturday, there is still, I think there's still time to actually do that and get involved. But they are doing text messages so you can get those sneak peeks. You can look at everything that's out there. I promise you are absolutely going to love it. And when the day comes on Saturday, make sure you use promo code CHOCK12. Get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. Look, if we do not, as Kansas fans, make it to the top five of Big New Saturday rankings, it will not be because of lack of trying because I guarantee you I'm going to buy the entire line at least twice. Um, you know, me and then all of my family members are all wanting stuff. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Start scoping out some of the other things that you want to get because no matter how great the Kansas stuff is, there's a lot of other great stuff that you're probably going to want too. And if you're going to, you know, get 15% off with that promo code CHOCK12, you might as well get a lot of really great stuff. I'm looking forward to when, Melissa, when you guys get to have it as TCU, but... You know, I'm definitely looking forward to this as well. I spent way too much money on other Big 12 schools. It's about time I got it for my own. So, again, Home Field Apparel, promo code CHOCK12, 15% off your entire first order. Make sure you do not miss it. 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. All right, Melissa, now that I have... I'm mad. Shamelessly. Yeah, thanks for just rubbing that in. Well, I, all I've wanted is Home Field Apparel TCU line. I've just been waiting for look, it for about look, six months. Look, we were talking about it before we started. You have hope for baseball season because if there's any school that they're going to release in the middle of baseball season, TCU feels like that school that they would, you know, that would be the time to do it because it would be smart. It would be a good it would be extremely ploy. smart. Home yeah. field advantage. Be a good ploy. 
Exactly. Give me that frog ball script. I want it. I want it bad. <laughs> but yes. So now that I've completely derailed all the t- stuff that we were talking about with the game, although I think we're about wrapping up at this point, I do want to know though, do you think that it's likely that TCU gets one of these two and locks up the NCAA tournament berth? Like, do, do they catch Kansas napping? Do they, you know, take advantage of what they got in the first game and maybe pick off the second one in Allen Fieldhouse, which I think I'd be feel a lot worse about it if those locations were flipped in terms of the order. But, uh, like, how how likely do you think it is that TCU picks one of these games off? I mean, I don't think likely is a word I would use. I think definitely, like, affirmatively positive. Um, I, I think that TCU 100% can. I mean, we've seen them play with and beat good teams this year. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, the problem of – or the, what I want to see is can they put together back-to-back high-level games on both ends of the floor. If they carry the momentum from the second half against Texas Tech and clean up the free throws and the turnovers just a little bit, then yeah, I think at home with a crowd that has been, I mean, everybody wants to say TCU doesn't care about basketball. TCU's not a basketball school. Shayhan, shout out you. Might as well, I'm shouting out everybody. Might as well call <laughs> you out too. Um, but here's the deal is name many, any program outside of Kansas in the big 12 or outside of Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina in the country that cares about basketball when their team is garbage. Right. And oh, TCU yeah. was garbage. And all these Baylor fans, I guess I get Matt, Evan, love you guys. Um, you know, <laughs> want to talk about how TC doesn't care about basketball, blah, blah, blah. But like, I, it wasn't that long ago that nobody cared about their basketball team either. Winning begets, you know, effort and attitude and commitment and commitment and attitude and effort beget winning, unfortunately. And so it's a two way street. And so we've seen this against. Texas, which we totally crapped the bed on the court, but the fan atmosphere was unbelievable. We saw this against Texas Tech where there were a ton of Red Raider fans in the audience because, of course, they all live in DFW because who stays in Lubbock after you graduate? Um, and, and so we, we've seen these atmospheres and these environments be incredible, and this is the last home game of the season. I have a feeling you are going to have one of the best crowds we've seen all year for TCU, and that will 100% give them an opportunity to have a home field advantage and um, to, to make some noise and to to – put out their best effort against Kansas. Will that be enough? If you're telling me Mike Miles goes for 22 plus, I'm going to say we sneak out the one or two point win. Um, if if Mike has an off night, you know, if he's in the 12, 15 point range, I, I think TCU probably loses by 10. Um, I fully expect the first 10 minutes to be all horn Frogs. And it's just going to be a matter of, can they withhold as the team swoons, the inevitable swoon that's going to happen? Um, can we not finish the half with a fluster of, five or six turnovers in the last five minutes and, you know, a bunch of jacked up three pointers. And that's because that's kind of what we've seen the last couple of weeks too. So um, I think, yes, I don't think, I don't expect to go up into Lawrence and win by any stretch. So our best chances is Tuesday night. And if, if they put together a complete game, then yeah, I think they can absolutely get the win, but I'll tell you this. I feel a lot better about going to Morgantown and winning right now than I do beating Kansas at home. No, that's, that's, that's fair. By the way, that cuts really deep because what you described is exactly what happened in Kansas in the first half against Baylor. So um, really you're, you're, you're scoring for everybody tonight. So, but no, um, you know, it is one of those things though, too. Kansas is well known for not playing very well in the first like 10 minutes of the game. And then all of a sudden flipping a switch and turning mm-hmm. it on. And that's, that's what I would be worried about as, as a TCU fan is that there is not going to be a single point of the game where you feel like a lead is safe. 
right? Yeah. Like, yeah. unless you're up by 20 points with, like, two minutes to go in the game. And even then, I might be a little worried. <laughs> like, anything that gets going could snowball really easily with how sure. dominant this offense can be, at, you know, in, in lightning quick stretches. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really difficult. I do think that, that TCU could even potentially carry some momentum out of, you know, keeping a game like this close, you know, a five-point loss you know, one where they never really were, you know, ahead and, and thinking that they were going to win it, but kept it really close and build some momentum. And, um, you know, Kansas, Kansas has been known to throw out a few stinkers at times. It's not nearly as likely at home as it is on the road, but it is one of those things where I think that TCU could build some positive momentum so that even if they don't get a win in either of these two games, but they can keep both of the games pretty close, you feel really good about going into West Virginia and getting that win that you need to to, to really feel like you've locked up the NCAA tournament. So I do think I am actually scared of, of these games um, just because, look, I still remember the YMCA game. Um, you know, I still remember some some really bad games that Kansas played against TCU at times where they really should not have played as badly as they did against TCU. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely worried about it. Although probably not as worried, or I'm sorry, I'm probably a lot more worried than most Kansas fans. So we'll see how that goes. To your point though, really quick about you know um, TCU fans supposedly not or TCU not being a basketball school. I can. Speaking from personal experience, it is really hard to be a diehard fan of a team that loses all the time. And TCU yeah. was there. You would know. Was there. <laughs> Everybody was there, right? It'll be, you know, a Kansas football fan. Look, I was a Kansas City Chiefs fan when they were horrible. I was a Royals fan through the 2000s. Like, I know bad teams. I also know how hard it is to be a fan, a diehard fan of a bad team. I've got a lot of practice. Um, Kansas basketball is the one thing that I have where they have not been a bad team the entirety of when mm -hmm. I, you know, have been a fan of them. And so I imagine though, if, if, you know, if something happened in Kansas basketball was a really bad team for a long time, you know, for a, a decade, you'd have a hard time, I think, packing that gym for certain games as well. So like, it's one of those things where once they get it rolling and, and I have every confidence that Jamie Dixon is a guy that can get it rolling obviously dealing with the rest of the big 12 doesn't really help with how tough it is. But um, you know, if, if they can start to build some momentum and get it going, TCU is going to be a place that's going to be tough to go in and play just like every other gym in the big 12. Like, you know, the team starts playing well and it's difficult for anybody to go in there because it gets rolling. So, all right. All right, Melissa, um, any, any final thoughts you want to leave us with tonight? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just want to say that I think that there's a lot of, um, uh, misconceptions on uh, what TC basketball should be and what it needs to be. And, you know, I think, I think what I'd like to see is just a fan base that cares and is engaged because they know there's a chance to win every night. And if we can get to the NCAA tournament two out of every four years, I think that most TC fans would be ecstatic. Um, if we can go and win a game this year, um, I think that, could, I think that alone would completely change the outlook of this program going forward. Uh, people are getting a little tired of Jamie Dixon, but and I'm sure you could go out and get other coaches that could do a fine job too. But at the end of the day, um, this was pulling this thing. It, this is TC basketball is the equivalent of Kansas football for a really, really long time. And so just the fact that people are invested in the games and showing up and packing the shawley, like they threw a lot of money at that arena and it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. And now you finally have students that are excited to be in it and be a part of it. So um, I, I think the future of the program, if not bright, is at least no longer dim. And um, if we can continue to bring in top talent through the transfer portal and through, you know, high school recruiting, then there's a chance for this program to be regularly competitive in the Big 12, finish in the top five, you know, every two or three years and, and be a team that gets in, that's playing into March meaningful games for, for a really long time and 
me as someone who loves basketball, first and foremost, I would be totally okay with that. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to when TCU is kind of, kind of like Texas Tech. Look, you know, a lot of people said for the longest time that there's no way that Texas Tech with the way that their program was, is that we're going to get up and, you know, consistently compete at the top of the conference. Texas Tech is a perfect example of a team that can, and a program that can get it turned around and can consistently be. It's just about, it's just about getting the right guys, getting yeah. the right head yeah. coach, the right assistants, having it all gel, and then it builds its own momentum. So I am looking forward to when that happens for TCU fans. Um, you know, I, I, I really like, um, the, the, the Horn Frog program. I've really enjoyed having them in the conference. So I'm looking forward to, all of the games are going to be coming. Uh, I'm I'm honestly glad that the Big Twelve is sticking together so that we can yeah. continue to play a lot of these teams. So yeah, uh, I'm excited fun. for all the new the new teams coming in too. I'm I'm a huge BYU fan because I'm I'm LDS. I you know grew up following BYU, so it's going to be a little weird having both of the the schools that I actively root for in the same conference, but. Um, you know what? That's that's the break. So, all right, <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me tonight. Once again, where where can everybody find your work online? Uh, you can find me at the Coach Melissa on Twitter, and uh, very soon you can find me at frogstoday.com. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. Any idea when is it launching? Do you do you guys have an official date yet, or um, it it is up? Or it's running. already going. Um, I just haven't seen it because I'm yeah, not paying J- attention apparently. Yeah, well, and it's 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 a startup. So uh, Jamie will be covering the uh, the TCU Kansas game tomorrow night for Frogs today, and I believe I'll be covering baseball for the site. So I'll be watching both. Though. That's a nice of thing course, about being remote now. I can listen to the baseball game, watch the basketball game, and be living my best California life. Sounds fantastic. All right. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. If for whatever reason you can't do that, though, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people want to try to interview, anything like that, you can email me at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or you can contact me on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Uh, we are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network. Absolutely fantastic group of podcasters over there covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference so that you know exactly how the Big 12 Conference is going to affect the Jayhawks. Just go over on Twitter at 1012 Network, and you can find links to all the great shows we have over there. Um, but that is going to do it for us today. Uh, again, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to listen to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.